0: God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Excuse me, son. Yeah? What have you got there? Got, got some birds, some wild birds. Really? Yeah. Where'd you get them? Got them in the field over there. There's a field with wild birds. Huh. Yeah. Well, if you don't mind my asking, what are you going to do with them? I want play games with them. Games? Yeah, I like to play games with Wild Birds, yeah. What kind of games? Um, sometimes I like to poke a stick in there, you know? And they'll be like going, go, gah, go, like that, you know? And then sometimes I like to rattle the cage, and they think mm. it's an earthquake, and they love that. What happens to them after you're done playing games with them? Hmm, usually I feed them with my cat. You yeah, know, my cat likes Wild Birds. i tell you what. I am fond of Wild Birds. You are? Yeah, let me buy them from you. You want to buy my Wild Birds? Yeah. They're no good for nothing. They can't do no tricks or nothing. And when you open this gate, they're just going to fly away. How much? You're serious? I'm very serious. $5. All right. $10. Okay. $20. They're wild birds. They're exotic birds. (laughs) You found them in a field. An exotic field. All right. That's all I got. See so you looking at the cage. Yeah. When you got in there? You know what's in there. Mankind. Found them in the garden. Funny thing is, they put themselves in that cage. I had nothing to do with it. So, what's your plans with them? I'm gonna play games with them. Games. What kind of games? All kinds of games. I'm going to put games into their life that they think is going to bring them so much pleasure. Then I'm going to turn the world upside down. I'm going to make right seem wrong and wrong seem right. And then? They'll be damned for all eternity. My father and I, are very fond of mankind. I know. We want them to have access to us. So... I'm going to pay for their freedom. You want these humans? Yeah. You know they promised you everything before. They're going to turn their backs on you. Some will. And some won't. You're serious. Oh, I'm very serious. It'll cost you your tears. I know. Your blood. Yeah. It'll cost you your life. I know you're willing to give your life. I'm willing to give what it takes. This reminds us about what Jesus did for us on the cross. He picked up that wooden cross and carried it to Mount Calvary because he loved you and me.
1: It would cost Jesus his tears. It would cost him his blood. It would cost him his life. We're in the second week of our message series for Lent called The Scarlet Thread. And last week, uh, we left off with Adam and Eve in the cage, so to speak. Um, They were suffering the consequences of their disobedience, of their sin. But we also saw the first glimpses of God's plan to rescue them and of God's grace. God provided animal skins as a covering for their shame. And a life was given to cover sin. And that's where the scarlet thread that we find throughout Scripture begins. And this series called The Crimson Thread is, follows that thread then through the Scripture to help us to understand Why Jesus had to die. Now, as we, um, as I said last week, this scripture, this series is going to be a little different than normal. We're going to be looking at some more like in-depth theological concepts and themes from scripture that relate to Jesus' death on the cross and why Jesus had to die. And so the blue book that you received this morning is kind of a creative way to point that out, that this is going to be a little tougher sledding than normal. Um, But it's also a way for you to have more space to write than we normally have on our message notes. So if you want to go ahead and pull that out, I'm going to give you uh, something to write down right off the bat this morning. I just said that we're going to be looking at some theological themes in this series, and I want to make sure everybody knows what that means. The word theology, if you want to write down theology, comes from a combination of two words. The first word is theos. uh, These are both Greek words. Theos means God in Greek. Then the second is logia, which the meaning is knowledge or study. So when we talk about theology, theology is the study of God study of God. And our our theology, what we believe to be true of God, of who He is, what His purposes are and His plans, uh, are very important. And they're important for a number of reasons. Um, They help us make decisions, right? If our theology, if uh, our belief about God, God said uh, do not steal, then when we go to Meijer, we're not going to eat grapes out of the produce aisle, right? Uh, Do not steal. It helps us to decide what's true. Uh, The things that we read on the internet, the things that we see on Oprah, those kinds of things. If we have a solid biblical theology, we can tell truth from error. Uh, One of the things I questioned in this was the the character that plays Satan says they put themselves there. I had nothing to do with it. Well, I think there was a tempter in the garden, and uh, so. Our theology helps us to think um, through some of those things. But one of the most important primary reasons that our theology is important is our theology shapes our worldview. And last week we talked about that word worldview, and I want to kind of review that a little bit this week for those that weren't here. But our worldview is the lens through which we see the world and helps us to understand the circumstances in our life, Uh, and how to understand um, things that are happening in the world. And at the very bottom line level, every worldview answers three basic questions. We're going to look at those again this week. The first is, where did we come from? Our understanding of the world answers this question, where did we come from? How did we get here? How did the world and everything in it come into being? Was there a creator? Uh, This is a creation question. Then the second question is, um, what has gone wrong with the world? We look around ourselves, we see so much beauty, It's, it's a wonderful world, there's so much good about it, but yet we see pain and evil, we understand that something's gone wrong, something's amiss in our world, so what is it and how do we explain the evil that we see around us? And then the third is, how will it get fixed? Something's broken, how is it going to get fixed? Can it be fixed? Is there a way for everything to be put back right again? So last week, we looked at the Bible's answer to that second question, what's gone wrong? And we went back to Genesis chapter 3, the story of the fall, and if you're, you're reading the Bible, the Bible says that the pain and suffering that we experience can be traced back to Adam and Eve in the fall. That's a biblical worldview. That's what the Bible tells us about what's gone wrong. And because of Adam and Eve's disobedience, sin entered the picture, and not just for them, but for everyone that's related to them. Um, And because of this, we've inherited a fallen nature. We find ourselves in a predicament. And uh, we've got a problem And the Bible says it's a problem so pervasive that we can't fix it ourselves. And one of the ways that this dilemma is described in Scripture, is talked about in Scripture, is that Scripture goes so far as to say that we are slaves to sin. And there are numerous Scriptures that indicate that before Christ, we were not just in trouble with sin, we didn't just struggle with it, we were in bondage to sin. Jesus said this in John chapter 8. He said, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And then Paul gives us this picture in Romans 6. 6. He says, for we know that our old self was crucified with Christ so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves. To sin. So he's indicating that at one point we were slaves to sin prior to Christ. Scripture indicates that without Christ we are slaves to sin. So as we're answering this question, why did Jesus have to die? One of the reasons that we find in scripture is that humankind had become slaves to sin. And that brings up the topic for today's message. In scripture, we discover that Jesus had to die to become a ransom or to rescue us from the power of sin and the consequence of sin. Because we are slaves to sin, we needed a redeemer. And in the skit, the character that was playing Jesus says that he's going to pay the price, right? Uh, Whatever it costs to set humanity free. And the theo- theological word for paying the price to set someone free is redemption. I want to write that down. And I've got the definition here for you, the dictionary definition for redemption. It's the action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for payment or clearing a debt. The act of purchasing back something previously sold to set free, to rescue or to ransom. And that's what Jesus came to do, to rescue us, to set us free from slavery to sin. And redemption is a, a term um, used when something is sold or has uh, been taken into slavery. Uh, a, a price has to be paid. And it's only used in connection with um, slavery, when there's somebody who can't, is unable to pay the price for themselves. And to redeem someone from slavery, you have to purchase them back and pay some kind of price to set them free. And as you look through the scriptures from Genesis on, humankind is like the birds in the bird cage. They needed to be set free. That was humankind's situation after the fall. So one of the major themes that you find in scripture is this theme of redemption. And one of the questions that I said we were going to answer in this series is, why is there so much talk about blood and sacrifice in the Bible? Well, one of the reasons is this idea of redemption. To redeem us, Jesus would have to give his blood for us. He would have to give his life for ours. And redemption would cost Jesus his life. And we all understand that life and blood are connected, right? I've talked to you about um, our son getting in a car accident at one point. And we were down in seminary, got a phone call in the middle of the night that our son had been in an accident it was our daughter. She said they, she didn't know what his condition was. They were taking him to the hospital, and she gave me the name of the hospital. And so I called there, and they put me through to the emergency room nurse, and she said, we really can't tell you his condition. There's too much blood right now to... To Tell you how he is And so that will put you right on your knees Because everybody knows That blood and life are connected Right And when Jesus poured out his blood For us to redeem us He poured out his life That was the price And that's why blood is so prominent In scripture Because scripture is pointing us Toward Jesus redeeming blood Shed on the cross is pointing us forward to the time when Jesus would shed His blood to save us, to rescue the world from sin and death, to redeem us. Ephesians 2:13 uh, says it this way, and this is our memory verse this week. But now in Christ, oh, let's, let's read it together. Ephesians 2:13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Ephesians two thirteen. One of the most uh, clear pictures of God's redeeming love, that kind of foretells what God was going to do to redeem us through Jesus Christ, is the picture of the story and the story of Exodus, uh, the Israelites' exodus from Egypt. Uh, everybody knows the Israelites were in bondage and slavery to Egypt in Egypt for hundreds of years, and then God sent Moses um, to give them this message. And This is what we read in Exodus 6-7. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. And I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And this verse of Scripture became very important to the Jewish people. They recited it every year at Passover to remember their relationship with God began with his, rede- his redemption of them. When he redeemed them, he brought them out of slavery. And Jesus would have recited these same words when he met with the disciples in the upper room to share that last meal with them the night that he gave his life up with them. This was; These were words that were recited every year at Passover, at the Passover meal. And you know, most of us aren't very familiar with the Passover meal, but during the meal on that night, Jesus would have lifted four cups. We... We just have two, one for each side. (laughs) That's the significance of two. But they would have had four cups, and each of the cups of wine represented the four action verbs in this promise that Jesus made. Um, We're going to look at them again. Do do you see them there? He says, I'm the Lord who will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm, and I will take you to be my own people and those um, four words represented the four were represented by the four cups of wine at the Passover meal. The third cup of the Passover meal was called the cup of redemption, and it was connected to that promise that we just looked at, "I will redeem you," and that was the cup that Jesus held up at the Last Supper and said, This is my blood shed for you. This is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. That was the cup of redemption. And Jesus was describing through this his death that he would purchase their freedom, uh, purchase their freedom from slavery and, and death. And by this transaction... They would be brought into a new relationship with him. So why did Jesus have to die? Well, the second reason that redemption was so necessary is because we couldn't pay the price ourselves. We couldn't set ourselves free. And, you know, as you look at slavery and bondage, uh, in whether it's in the Old or New Testament or today, Um, One of the disturbing realities about it is that that the person that's in slavery doesn't have the means to set themselves free. they Either the power to do it or the resources to do it, they can't free themselves. And in the physical world, um, to get free of slavery, most often someone else has to set you free. Scripture says that in the spiritual world, the only way that we can get free is through Jesus Christ. And the primary reason for that is that God is holy. And we're going to talk about this more in this series, but sin is only a problem if you want to have a fellowship with God uh, who is holy and perfect and pure and righteous. Uh, only the righteous, those that are without sin, can enter the kingdom of God and dwell in the presence of God, which is required to live forever, right? A perfect, spotless, sinless righteousness is required. And that's a righteousness that we cannot produce on our own. Romans 3 um, says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Further on it says, there is none that does good. And then it goes on to say, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Jesus is the only one who's ever lived a sinless life. So he's the only one whose life could be given in exchange for ours. He's the only one whose life could be given as a ransom for ours. In Second, five, uh, second Corinthians 5:21, we read, for our sake, he being God, made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's one of the most moving scriptures to me that God made him who knew no sin to be sin so that we could be the righteousness of God. Uh, we were slaves to sin and death. We had no way to pay what was needed to get our lives and our freedom back. Ephesians 1.7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. God's redemption is a free gift of grace. And as I was thinking about that this past week, I remembered a different kind of redemption that was part of at least some of our lives um, back when. Heather will not remember this, but uh, (laughs) this is going to seem a a bit of a jump too, but I promise it will make sense in a minute. Um, If you don't mind, just... Uh, Turn to the person next to you, and I want you to guess at something. Back in the 60s, this is why Heather is not going (laughs) to connect with it at all. What do you think was the largest, most requested single publication available in the United States in the decade of the 60s? Just turn to somebody next to you and take a guess book, magazine, newspaper, any kind of published product in the 60s. All right, I'll give you a hint. It was a catalog. Sears and Roebuck, you think? Honey? No. Here it is was published by a company company called Sperry and Hutchinson, better known as S and H. All right. Have you ever heard of S and H green stamps? Yes. I'm sure some of you remember those. This is how big S and H green stamps were. They printed more stamps every year than Three times more stamps every year than the U.S. government. They publish enough catalogs to go uh, circle the globe several times, and you know you would get these stamps at the grocery store, gas stations, uh, different stores. And stores would buy them from S&H and then hand them out for free to their customers to gain loyalty, right? So they you'd come back there and shop at their store and. Um, you would save these stamps up, and then, because they were more than stamps, right? Because you could bring them into a redemption center, right? And you could redeem something that was (laughs) there, a radio, an appliance, all kinds of things that you could get from the redemption center. And growing up on the farm, we didn't have a lot of money, and we had a family of nine to feed, so my mom got a lot of SNH green stamps at the grocery store when we would go. And when we would get ready to turn those in, we didn't even have to have lunch, because we would lick so much glue off of the stamps, you know, that we were already full by the time we got done. But I remember on one occasion we took the SNH green stamps in. My mom had paid the price, She'd bought the groceries, bought the gas, whatever it took to collect enough green stamps to get my brother a birthday present. And we went into the redemption center, and the plan was to get him a snorkel, a mask, and some, um, what are they called, fins, whatever, flipper, flipper, flipper fin things. Anyway, we got in there. My mom turned in uh, her books of stamps, and they went through them and were counting all the stamps out that it took to get those three items and she came up short. She didn't have enough. And I remember her crying. And, you know, mom had seven kids, so it took a lot to make her cry. (laughs) But she cried that day. And somebody had mercy on her because we left the store with my brother's birthday gift and you know, I don't know any other gifts that any of us got. I don't even remember any of our birthday, my birthday gifts, but I remember that gift. And I remember what car we were driving and climbing into the back seat of that station wagon and looking on the seat and seeing that mask and fins and the red rubber thing around this snorkel. And I think I remember it because we got something that we didn't deserve, something that we weren't supposed to have. And that's grace. We got grace. And scripture says that we don't have what it takes to redeem ourselves. We can't set ourselves free from the cage, from the bondage to sin and death. No matter how we try, no matter how good we are, we all fall short of God's standard. According to Romans 6.23, what we deserve was death what we got instead was grace Romans six twenty three says for the wages of sin is death and you know I, I had made up some a couple of these uh, well several of these uh, they looked like money and I wrote death across them in big letters I was going to hand them out but I just like I wouldn't No, <laughs> I couldn't stand to give it to somebody I couldn't stand to hand it to them. I would break my heart and God couldn't do it either it says the wages of sin were death, but the free gift of God was eternal life in Jesus Christ. And, and he did that for us because it was something we couldn't do for ourselves. Romans 3.23 says, for we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, and you know, I think that we, many of us have that memorized because that's how, you know, you convince people that they need God's saving grace. But you got to memorize the second part of the verse, our verse 24, which says and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. We all fall short. Jesus paid the price. It cost him his tears, it cost him his blood, it cost him his life. Redemption was costly. The third reason that Jesus had to die and redemption was necessary was because he loves us. And he wants to spend eternity with us. And yeah, you know, he knew that some would turn away and that others uh, would ignore what he had done. But he knew also that some would be set free to love him and to live with him forever. Jesus knew that there would be some that would believe in him and would accept the forgiveness and freedom that he paid for on the cross. And they would grab hold of it, grab hold of that freedom, and choose to live for him and love him back. 1 Peter 1, 17, 19 says, Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. And then let's read this last part together. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Amen. Jesus is our Redeemer. He died so that we could have life, the communion table is our reminder of the price that was paid, the ransom given for our freedom. Would you pray with me? Our loving God, we thank you so much for your son Jesus Christ and that when we were handed a death sentence, he said, wait, let me, let me, let me go instead. And he took up the cross and he died for us. We thank you so much for that today. Thank you for our life in Christ. And uh, as we come to the communion table this morning, uh, Lord, help us to freely give back our lives to you for your glory and your purposes. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. On your connection card, uh, the ways to respond to the message. The first is memorizing that verse from Ephesians 2.13. And then last week, if you weren't here, we had a, a reading plan for the six weeks of Lent. And, uh,